I'm former Congressman Gary Franks. And I'm his son, Gary. I'm millennial. We're discussing everything from politics to sports and pop culture. From very different perspectives. We speak frankly. Welcome back, folks, and Happy New Year to each and every one of you. This year, in 2021, it's going to be a great one. I know it's going to be a great one for each and every one of you. It's going to be a great one for the United States of America. I'm very thankful for last year. It could have been better. Everything could be better. Everything could, but however, everything could be worse. And that is why so often, Gary, I say to people, be thankful. Be thankful. So Happy New Year, Gary. Yes, Happy New Year, and Happy New Year to all the listeners out there as well. So, Gary, this past Sunday, members of Congress on the House side and on the Senate side were, were sworn in. So they are no longer congressman-elect or senator-elect. It was 30 years ago in which I had the great privilege of being sworn in as a congressman for the first of three terms in Congress by the people of the 5th District in Connecticut, in which I thank them today as I have for the last 30 years for giving me that privilege. And later on this week, Gary, we're going to have um, what usually is somewhat of a normal type of process. That is when this House and Senate would essentially confirm what the voters and what the Secretary of States and all the states in the country has basically certified, and that is the election for president of the United States. Then January 20th, that individual is sworn in. Now, we have all, both of us, Gary, and many people, most people, I believe, in this country have referred to Joe Biden as president-elect and Kamala Harris as vice president-elect. But this week, the election will be challenged by Republicans on the House side and on the Senate side. There are 140 members of the House of Representatives that will protest this election result because of the fact that they felt that there was fraudulent activity uh, done during the uh, election of 2020. And there are potentially as many as 12 United States senators that will also challenge the uh, outcome of the, of the election. It's going to be unusual times that we're going to, to see. I do not believe that in either case um, you will have a, a change in the result, but they are attempting to make some points that uh, the American people will ultimately um, be forced to hear. And I think that um, it's all part of the process. So it's not something that's unusual. It's happened before. Back in 2005, you had uh, a congresswoman from Ohio who protested the election of George W. Bush to his second term. And it was also uh, challenged by Senator Boxer, Barbara Boxer from California. In order to have any type of discussion on this topic in Congress, at least one member of the House and one member of the Senate would have to object. And so they, it happened before, but 2005, I'm sure most Americans don't even realize it happened, but uh, it did occur in the past and uh, it did not upset the apple cart, didn't overturn the apple cart, so to speak, as, as we all know, George W. Bush did go on to serve in his second term. What is President Trump's best argument when it comes to the election controversy? Well, Gary, I, I think that there are a number of arguments that he could make, but I think the strongest one 
is a constitutional one, not so much the U.S. Constitution per se, even though they oversee all of the state constitutions, but the state constitutions in a number of locales that had rather interesting elections. When I say interesting elections, Gary, I mean they changed the procedure and they utilized COVID as a reason why they developed new rules as far as how the votes would be counted and how they would allow for votes to come in after election day in some instances, or to be counted, I should say, after election day in some instances. And some states decided to not even look at their early vote totals or their vote results until election day. Well, that made no sense. And other states like Florida and Texas were counting votes as they were coming in. And, and so the problem with all of that is that the governor and the state Supreme Court of Pennsylvania or Wisconsin or Michigan or Georgia, they can't do that. The Constitution in each one of those states would say that the state legislature would be the only entity that can change the voting process or procedure in a state. So people tried to change the procedures in Texas, and the state legislature said, no, we want to have our same procedures. Even though we have COVID-19, we want to have our same process, our same procedure done. And, and a number of the other states felt, you know, they, they battled that and were able to um, push back on, on that type of effort. While in other states, they were able to do it, especially Pennsylvania. That was one state in which the governor, who was a Democrat, um, decided to. So the governor and the state Supreme Court has no jurisdiction over changing the procedure for voting. None. It's in the Constitution that says the state legislature must vote to have any change of done of that nature. That's cut and dry. And if you had that enforced by the Supreme Court or looked into further, it would, I think, uh, be very, very revealing. Because if you went and utilized the normal process or the process that's been done for 200 and some odd years since we've been established, you would find that um, potentially the results could be different. Because keep in mind that when we went to bed on election night, Trump had a sizable lead in Pennsylvania. When we woke up the following day, well, we didn't know. And four or five days later, he lost. You know, So that had never happened before in our country's history where we've had that type of situation done. And so these senators and congressmen on the Republican side are challenging this matter. And I think that's their best argument. There are a lot of other little things, Gary, but they'll say, they being the Democrats, oh, well, we'll overturn the election result. And maybe it wouldn't. You know, so 1,700 people allegedly voted twice. Well, you know what should be done for those 1,200 people, who 1,700 people who voted twice? They should be arrested. They should be arrested. It's a federal violation. And if you do that, it has set a tone that people will say, wait a minute, I'm not going to jail over this. But because they say, oh, yeah, 1,700 people, oh, yeah, this, they did this, and no one does anything to, to punish people who broke the law, it creates a problem. It, can, it creates a significant problem. So what they're asking for, Gary, and the senators and the, and the Republican House members is for a commission to be put together in which they can explore exactly what took place in the examples that I just gave, as well as to potentially report back to Congress, I think within 10 days, to give their assessment to see assessment as to what truly happened. 
because unfortunately our, our current system you have 50 secretary of states and there's no real force out there that really monitors the entire process per se and like all institutions gary i'm going to deal with one institution that we all know very well because it's it, it's a vital one that is law enforcement and the penal system once you have a decision once an election has been called usually that's basically it you can appeal it you can challenge it etc but just like when a person gets the death sentence sometimes they're guilty most of the time they're guilty i would say do we really know but we've had so many instances where DNA have proven some people innocent of certain crimes that would warrant conviction or the death penalty. But our system is our system, and, and you have to be able to prove that you were innocent. You must be able to prove that there's problems with the election system. You have to prove it. You, you can't just you say it. So if the other side is able to prove that you committed this crime or you did something wrong that would warrant punishment, you know, that's, that's all we have to go by. And we have to go by that. If we can prove that there is problems in the election system that was so profound that the result is truly unknown, you got to prove it. And so that is what they're trying to, to uh, at least explore. I do not believe that they will be successful, these 12 senators, 140 House members. I believe that the, 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 the balance of the House, the balance of the Senate will shoot them down on this issue and thus um, some other option will, will need to be taken maybe in the future to help protect us from fraudulent activity in the future. That's That may be the best that could come out of all of this. Well, well, you actually just touched on one of the questions I have. So you do feel like this is a good thing, that all these House members and Senate members are challenging this? I believe they have every right to do so, and thus um, they should you know, utilize their rights as members of Congress, House and Senate, to do what's best for this country. I do not believe that this will hurt the democracy. No, a lack of trust hurts the democracy. That's what hurts our democracy, not a, a search for the truth. <laughs> That's just the opposite. The search for the truth is what we all want. You know, so you want you want to have a problem with things that hurt the democracy. I'll tell you some things that hurt the democracy, Gary. The fact that 80, 87% of black people believe that our law enforcement is not fair to black people. That hurts our democracy when you have that type of lack of confidence. What hurts our democracy is that most Republicans believe that the mainstream media is not being truthful. That hurts the democracy. What hurts the democracy is to have a large number of people believe that we've had an election that's fraudulent. That hurts the democracy. And we can fix all three. It's easy. It's easy to fix all three. It doesn't take much to fix all three. Now, I'll deal with each one. The 87% of blacks who don't believe that our law enforcement, because of the fact that we've had so many black individuals who have been unarmed and killed by police officers, just utilize the civil rights laws, expedite the trials, make the, 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 the police unions culpable in this situation so that cities are not paying out the massive lawsuits to the families. If you made the police unions, state and federal, be, be responsible for that, it end tomorrow. And if you had a system where you can expedite the actual process of getting the, the case before a jury, that's what we need. The fact that we're going to wait a year or two years or whatever just to be able to have a trial for George Floyd is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. So if you want to know how to gain more, greater trust in our system, that's one of the ways in which, which that would happen. Following three terms on the city council and three terms in Congress, 
former Congressman Gary Franks' consulting firm, has helped scores of companies, large Fortune 500 firms, small businesses, and even startup companies secure millions of dollars in federal government contracts and international business opportunities. Congressman Franks, a Yale grad, author, Fortune 500 executive, and former visiting professor at Georgetown University, UVA, and Hampton University, will use his knowledge, experience, relationships, and strategic plan model to help you reach that next level of success. Schedule your participation in an upcoming webinar to learn just how Congressman Franks can help you. For more information, email gary at garyfranks.org now. How do you do the trust with the media? The media just has to do two things. One is they should try to be less biased. And they should also not mix their opinion in with the news. When people listen to, to a news program, you expect to see news, not their opinion about what they think. We don't, want to, we don't care what they think. If they want to say what they think, then there should be like red lights should go off or some type of sign should go off saying, this is the opinion of the, the person who is the commentator right now. We, the station does not share his opinion. This is just an independent opinion. They, you know, it should be clarified to people that what they're getting is basically an opinion of a person who, okay, fine, maybe well-versed on the topic or whatever, but it's just his opinion. And his opinion is being expressed to persuade you. So people, just set just that across the screen. This is his opinion, and his opinion is, is being expressed to persuade you versus giving you news information that will help inform you. There is a big difference there. And you know, lastly, on the election, it's very clear. We want to know that it's you. <laughs> That's first thing. Very simple request. Now, how do you know that it's you? Either a photo ID or your signature. Okay? Not hard. And so that, that, that's one of the main ways of fixing it. And then we have to understand that I believe strongly that election day is election day. <laughs> and, that, and so you could do things before election day, but the votes should be counted as they would come in. And on election night, we should be able to have a winner and a loser. And it should be you know, pretty, pretty clear from a preliminary perspective. Not that it can't be challenged and not that he can't have recounts, but the bottom line of it is, not more votes keep coming in. You just can't do that. I mean, it's just, you know, it never, you know, it's, 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 it's silly, quite frankly. And you, you erode people's trust. That's more the media. It does not help us as a country to give President-elect Biden, you know, softballs all the time. It does, it makes you weaker. It does not make but, you stronger. And that, once again, I was going to use my basketball analogy. Most good basketball players, you, you know, if you're a real good basketball player, you, when you go, when people come to the gym, you could probably beat them easily. So you say to yourself, why are you playing against these people that you can beat so easily? And there's a reason why you don't turn those folks away. In fact, what you do is, and this is what I did, and I know of a number of other players who did the same thing. You say, hey, why don't you two guys play against me? And that's what I did. I played against two-on-one three-on-one. So not that I did it for the purpose of being able to handle myself against creative defenses, but just by chance, it helped me to handle myself 
before creative defenses. So when people play the boxing one or put two people on me, I was used to it <laughs> because I did it all the time. I did it all the time in the gym. So two on one was a piece of cake when I saw two on one. And when I saw only one player guarding me, it was like, oh boy, this is gonna be easy. And so it makes you stronger when you're given tough situations, situations that are tougher than they should be. I think everyone would say, everyone would say that even in the case of Donald Trump, who started out as a pure political novice, Donald Trump on, on January or February of 2017, 2000, or March of 2017, handling questions then versus the Donald Trump who can handle questions now, they're like night and day. Because during the last four years, he's been hit with so many questions and been attacked on, on kind of constant basis by every person in the media, but it made him stronger to be able to handle those types of questions and situations. Well, the same thing in every, every aspect of life. If you're just given lobs, easy situations to handle, and no one ever challenges you when you say something that's not quite right, or no one ever says, well, you know, Mr. Vice President, you, you, you didn't do, yeah. if no one challenges you, then you don't become better. I got a kick out of the fact that one mainstream media outlet challenged Dr. Fauci, who's been all over the lot. I mean, maybe should be, could be, yeah, what does that mean? Maybe, should be, it could, most likely, you know, that's not definitive answers to, to direct questions. And one reporter said, you know, Dr. Fauci, back in such and such a day, you said something different than you're saying today. And he got flustered. Because he had never been challenged like that. It's like, he looked at her like, what, what are you doing to me? You're giving me a hard question. You're challenging me. Well, it just makes you better. It just makes you better. And that, unfortunately, did not happen during the course of the campaign for Joe Biden. And we, we need to, and maybe they're going to give me, maybe they call this their honeymoon. Well, they did this during the campaign. Now, he'll go through a period where they have a so-called honeymoon period, which I can't see how anything could be weaker, easier than what he's already had, what he's already gone through. But the bottom line of it is, all that must stop. All that must stop. Election is over, and we must start to ask the tough questions with follow-up questions. I don't see, and, and I challenge anyone out there who has seen Joe Biden be given a tough follow-up question in the last six months. He hasn't. Hadn't happened. I've been checking. Hadn't happened. You give him a question, he answers it, and you're just taking like, oh, that's so great. And you move on to a totally different topic. And you can't do that. And yet with Trump, they boom, 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 boom. boom. And, but, you know, that's over. That's over. So now let's try to make sure that we, as a public, that being the mainstream media, would make Joe Biden as strong as he can be. And the best way to do that is to be true journalists and challenge him where and when he should be challenged. So Dad, can you give an example of the media being biased? Well, yeah, I, I can't even during this situation uh, tied to COVID, Gary. You know, every time I hear the mainstream media get on TV and start talking about, well, you know, the vaccines are not going fast enough. Not just, it's not fast enough. You know, it's been like a couple of weeks, right? And so they're not going fast enough, going fast. No, why don't you be truthful and explain to people that we have a system of government that you should know about that has a president and executive branch and the power is given to the states. 
So the federal government's responsibility was to produce the product and get it to the states. This has been done. The states, each governor, has a tremendous amount of power. The federal government can make recommendations, like the CDC made a recommendation that X group of people should go first, Y group of people can go next, Q number of people can go file after that. But the governors are the ones to decide. If you don't want it that way, then the Congress has to pass a law that says, we as a federal government are going to mandate that everyone, and no one wants that. No one, we like to have 50 ways or our governors to make the, that, that determination. Just like when Cuomo talked about closing certain facilities, he had the power to do that. The president never had the power to do that. The mayors never had the powers to do that without the consent of the governor. The governor has tremendous power in each state. And that is why Governor DeSantis and the governor of Texas said, thank you, CDC, for your recommendation. We're going to ignore it. We're going to give our vaccines to everyone over the age of 65 immediately because they are most at risk at dying. So we're not going to go to those first responders and the people at the hospital. Now, you could say, wow, why did they do that? Well, guess what happened? In the state of Ohio, the Ohio governor reported in the New York Times that in nursing homes, 60% of the people in a nursing home do not want the vaccine. So if you're trying to force the vaccine on a certain population, it's, sometimes it doesn't work too well. But if you open it up to a, a larger population in Florida and in Texas, especially in Florida, you have long lines of people who are 65 and over who are begging for the vaccine. While in nursing homes, as recommended by the CDC, 60% of the people don't want it. I personally know a nurse who won't take it. I know two nurses who will not take it right now. Now, I, th I think they're wrong, but you know I I'm going to take it when it's, it's available to me. But the point being, you can't try to make one party or Trump the, the, the bad person all the time. The election is over, mainstream media. We have to come together. And the way to come together is not by continuing your campaign. It's not by, just finished looking at a football game the other day, it's not by spiking the ball. That's what you guys do. You take the ball, you, you're in the end zone. You've won the election. It's no, now you don't have to take the ball and spike it. You don't have to, you just hit a home run, okay? You hit a grand slam. You got exactly what you want at mainstream media. You don't have to flip the bat up in the air at the pitcher. That does not bring our country together. It causes us to go further apart. And you're doing it well, doing a great job at it. But every time we're apart as a nation, guess who loses? The American people. I.e., flashback to the 60s, the Vietnam War. We were divided. We had these, this clever story that was put in the paper that won people Pulitzers and this individual was able to somehow come up with the Pentagon Papers and it divulged information that caused the country to be even more divided. Now, was the information fraudulent? No, I'm not saying it was probably, it was probably very accurate. It was very accurate, but it, it divided us as a country. And guess what happened in Vietnam, folks? We lost. 
And today, in 2020, I should say, the mainstream media made Trump the, the bad guy and Biden the good guy and made COVID the political football and this movie did not turn out well. Now, why do I say that, Gary? Because if you wore a mask, you were not for this person. If you didn't wear a mask, you were for this person. If you wanted to close our stores up, you were you were with this party. If you wanted to leave our stores open, you were with this party. If you wanted to get a vaccine, you were in this party. If you didn't want to get a vaccine, you were... We have countless examples. I remember Kamala Harris saying, I'm not taking this vaccine if Trump is giving it and says it's all right. This is the person that went on to become vice president of the United States. And so you go back and forth and you say to yourself, we should have learned a lesson from our history about the Civil War dividing us and having that turn out in a very bad way in many instances with a number of Americans dying. We should have learned from the Vietnam War when we, we had people lying to us about whether or not we could actually prevail in that war and divided the country and we lost and thousands of Americans died. And we should have realized this COVID situation is a war and we cannot be divided in a war. We should come together. The best way to come together is to be truthful to the American people. Be truthful. The current president-elect Biden be truthful. Just come out and say, hey, I was involved in the last pandemic. There's 20 million Americans affected by this pandemic. When I was involved with the last pandemic, 50 million Americans were infected. Pandemics are tough to deal with. Just that people, it's, it's being buried, but everybody knows that was the case. Now, we know that it wasn't as lethal as COVID-19. Thanks to the, to the grace of God. But the bottom line of it is when you led that effort, that's what happened. That's what happened. So people need to, to understand that we all make mistakes, but we're all Americans and we're all fighting for the same thing. That is for the betterment of the American people. And that no one is trying to do something that would cause our country to suffer any type of ill or for any American to, to, to lose their life. So that is why we should come together and not use something as lethal as, as COVID-19 as a political football anymore. The election is over. So now they're trying to say, oh, not fast enough, not fast enough. Let's just work together and praise all those individuals involved in coming up with at least three vaccines that can uh, allow for people to protect themselves against this COVID-19 virus. So we're out of time for today. Don't forget to subscribe.